Maybe we should change it to be like Cheerio, Alistair. Mm, I, I don't know that that's better. <laughs> well, how, how, do, how do English people uh, greet each other? Mm. Do they like... I assume they like their walk up and they're like pip pip cheerio and just like, you know, hand each other toast and beans and such like. Hand each other biscuits and crisps. Hand each other tea with milk and a queen. <laughs> gross. <laughs> Monarchy's gross. It's true. To Gay Space Rocks, a Steven Universe watching podcast where we watch Steven Universe. My name is Brian. I uh, use he, him pronouns. You can find me on the internet at RoomwarePod, and you can find the podcast on Twitter at Gay Space Pod. And with me, as always, is my honorable co hosteth August. <laughs> Hello, I'm Augustith. Uh, you can find me on the internet at Harpy Dora. I almost said roomware pod. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> Seriously, what the fuck? You can find me uh, on the internet at Harpy Dora, and my pronouns are they, them, myth. Um, was there any cartoon news this week that I missed? Uh, We're recording later than usual, folks, so. Shoot. Uh, I feel like there was something, but I can't for the life of me remember what it was. Uh, I know uh, the season three of Amphibia got like an air date. Nice. So that's coming up. Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't remember anything off the top of my head. Uh, did you watch any cartoons, August? Um. So Anya and I have continued our journey through Star versus the Forces of Evil. Uh, we got to the first glimpse of Eclipsa, who is honestly best uh, best queen of Muni. Um, <laughs> and I'm not just saying that as a monster fucker. Uh, anyway, um, yeah, it continues well, from to my be... Understanding, my understanding of Star versus... They're, they're all kind of monsters, right? it's it's squishy there like they can take on monstrous forms but like there's a clear division between a uh, muman and monster like in okay. their society and uh queen eclipsa very definitely chose to run away with a monster that i do know yes okay yes that big boy in the basement. <laughs> but yeah. We all need big basement boy. Some of us more than others. Cool, cool. Yes. So. I have I have consumed so much media. 
let's just okay so uh the new adventure time special came out uh it's very good this is the finn and jake one and uh it's a fucking head trip let me tell you i need Uh, to watch that yeah you do (laughs) because that motherfucker is wild um i also finished season two of amphibia and cannot recommend that enough if you like I, I mean, it's basically kind of like it's an isekai, I guess, in that sense, though, where it's like season two builds to this sort of like solid sort of uh, isekai shonen anime uh, ending. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like it uh, quite a bit. Uh, season three, I think, might be the last season of the show and they're doing that that quintessential thing where they sort of flip the script so now the frogs are in the real world oh yeah so that should be cool um i started watching gundam turn a or turn a gundam yeah turn a gundam how are you liking Mm -hmm. it yo i'd never seen it before i didn't know fuck all about it i just knew it was the one where tomino came back Mm mm-hmm Um, and that shit is wild. Have you seen it? I have seen bits and pieces. My main, uh, interest in Turn A Gundam was the soundtrack because for a very long period of time, my favorite composer was Yoko Kano and, Mm -hmm. uh, she did the soundtrack for Turn A. Oh, okay. Okay. Which is why it fucking Uh, slaps. It's true. Um, it does have a really good soundtrack. Uh, for those of you who haven't watched it, it's like a Gundam, but like... So the f- starting sequence is pretty normal Gundam shit, some space noids and space suits descending onto the Earth, right? And then it turns into like... Uh, th- then these space noids are just roaming around this fucking uh, Ghibli-esque steampunk fucking world with like biplanes and shit like that. It's like World War One. Uh, and I'm like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> Apparently, this is set in the correct century. Um, and somehow this is like the 20th anniversary of uh, Gundam at the at that point. Because it came out in 99 mm-hmm. uh, and somehow Tomino tries to like merge all of the existing timelines up until that point in this show. Uh, that's what the wiki I haven't gotten that far yet uh, that's what the wiki says happens mm-hmm. but they're like because apparently like shit from all of the other shows start showing up so like we're gonna get normal UC like OG Gundam we're gonna get Gundam Wing we're gonna get Gundam X we're gonna get G Gundam I think maybe the, the SD Gundam shit is in here yeah. it's wild so far love the- love the setting so far at the time, it got, like, pretty universally panned from what I remember, but I... Well, of course it did. Tomino doesn't know how to make shows for people. He just knows how <laughs> to, like, make ideas, uh, and then they're like, Tomino, we need you desperately to make a show for children. He's like, okay, I got it. And then he made uh, Gundam 0079, and they're like, listen, we love the robots, but there's a lot of heavy war metaphors. Can you maybe tone it down? He's like, got it. Understand. Understand completely. And then he made Z Gundam, 
uh, or Zeta Gundam, uh, that ends with uh, the main protagonist being mentally broken and comatose. And then they're like, Tomino, <laughs> you need to make a show for children. He's like, got it. OK, more jokey. So he made du- a double Zeta Gundam that had the youngest protagonist to date. Or no, no. I think that was actually Victory Gundam. Um had the youngest protagonist to date, and I'm pretty sure in the second episode, a guy fighting uh, on the opposite the Gundam realizes the kid in the Gundam's like 13 years old, overcome with the idea that children have been pulled back into the war, blows himself up with a grenade. <laughs> a show for children. Yes. So I can't, I cannot imagine why a uh, turn A Gundam was universally panned. <laughs> uh, so... I, I, I'm two episodes in, uh, and the setting's already interesting enough. So, and uh, Gundam X wrapped up, uh, well, I wrapped up watching it because I watch it in time with uh, Great Gundam Project. And Gundam X ended really well. I liked Gundam X. Mm -hmm. Uh, Turns out you should cancel all shows about halfway through. Really kicks that pacing into high gear. Shit. (laughs) Um, And then I also watched, uh, what, what did I start watching? Hold on a second. I've watched a fucking ton of shit this week. Um, Adventure Time, Amphibia, Gundam. Uh, I watched a documentary on The Garden. Uh, You know that, like, TikTok farm that's maybe a cult? Have you seen that thing? No, I typically avoid TikTok if at all possible, uh, well, outside I, of... I, yeah. I also have no TikTok, except for things that get shared on Tumblr, or on Twitter. Um, and... But I had heard about these people, because, like, all of TikTok is like, this is a cult. And I'm like, uh, it seems like a regular commune, but whatever. And turns out, uh, it's in fact just kind of a regular commune. It has some issues that a lot of, com- like, communes have in the fact that it's not terribly diverse, uh, and the, while the people are well-meaning, they don't have a nuanced understanding of, like, race, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but they're not a cult. And it's pretty obvious that this one TikToker basically continues to call them a cult for clout uh, and has basically ruined these people's lives. That so that sounds both very <laughs> sad and also about right. Yep. Turns out the Internet was a mistake. Yeah. Oh. So. Alrighty. I well. Uh, I think that's that's all of the shit that I've watched so far. I need to find a definitely legal place to watch Big O because Big O is the backup show for GGP this season. Mmm. I. I remember watching Big O, but I don't remember much of anything about it other than the aesthetic. And I think some of that has to do with like one of the people I was associating with during that time and his, in hindsight, uh, really creepy obsession with like, she was like the android maid. Yeah, Dorothy. Yeah. So mm-hmm. like, I probably don't remember it, not because it wasn't good, but because of the associated uh life circumstances around it so that's fair i was a big fan of big O. it was on the it was on the toonamis Mm -hmm. um and 
has a really cool setting that's like this futuristic post-apocalyptic noir city that's like all inside of domes and everybody has amnesia like nobody remembers more than six years ago or something like that mm-hmm. uh so that's it's pretty fun there's also some cool super robots in the titular big o uh i would suggest watching i would suggest if you're if you've not ever watched great gundam project listener go give uh the the abnormal mapping uh patreon one dollar one dollar we do take a dollar from me uh if you're subbed to the the uh roomware pod patreon and you're like well i can't really afford it take a dollar from us and listen to the great gundam project fuck's sake (laughs) um it's one dollar uh austin's back on again for this season Oh, nice. Um, Because he was on for Gundam X, and we were getting near the end of Gundam X, and I'm like, I'm going to miss hearing Austin talk about Gundam. And then at the end of the episode, they're like, Austin's staying around. I'm like, fuck yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I really, uh, it should be good. I I think they're going to enjoy this. I would love to hear their their takes on Big O. I just need to find an incredibly legal way to watch Big O. Um which I might rectify later tonight. Mm-hmm. So. All righty. Well, our episode, we're only doing two episodes this week, because uh, this season of Steven Universe has a weird number of episodes. <laughs> um, this week, we are covering episodes 66 and... No, wait. Nope, 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 nope. 68 and 69. Nice. nice. Uh... Nightmare Hospital and Sadie's Song. We are going to start off with episode 68, Nightmare Hospital. Uh, this one was written by Raven Mollesey and Pete Paul Velico. Um, the official synopsis. Steven and Connie sneak into the hospital to recover Rose's sword. I mean... I don't know what more they could say, you know? Yeah, it's, it, it, it passes. It, it's yeah, not great, but it's definitely not the worst one we've seen. Right, because this is more of like an episode revolving around a conversation. And it's hard to write a, you know, a pithy little synopsis for that. Anyways, the episode begins with Lion carrying Steven and Connie to the Mahesh Warren house. Uh, Connie then uh, assumes her secret identity uh, to avoid getting in trouble with her parents. Uh, Steven then asks Connie uh, if Connie will train in sword fighting the following week at the same time as she did in the uh, as she did right uh, today. Uh, Connie agrees and laments about how she can't practice at home. Uh, In response, Stephen asks Lion if he can pull out Rose's sword, and he offers it to Connie. Uh, They do this funny little gag where they're speaking in sort of like medieval eth jokes. Um, They're talking about it as she's going in the house, and Connie tries to decline the offer, saying that Rose's sword is too important for Stephen to let her have, uh, though Stephen insists. 
he counters by saying that the sword, is, uh, the sword's importance is the reason she should have it, uh, and that she could practice all week with it if she wanted to. They both laugh at their jokes uh, when Connie finally accepts the sword. Connie hears the garage door open, realizing that her mother is home. She exclaims that she needs to hide the sword from her mother, or they, or she'll end up taking it away. Stephen tries to find Lion, but uh, he's wandered the fuck off. Uh, and so Connie and Stephen come up with a plan to disguise the sword. Mrs. Mahesh Warren comes in. Um, she comes in the living room and she finds Connie calmly practicing the violin while Stephen looks sus as fuck. Uh, Connie greets her mom. Uh, she greets her er, and her mom greets her and Stephen back. Uh, she kind of walks up and she's, uh, giving kind of a rundown of her day while putting her like stuff away on a coat rack, which is the very poorly disguised sword. Um, she says that the, her day was rough at the hospital, uh, that she had some super strange cases, uh, was very creepy about it, but assures them that she cannot share the details because of, uh, doctor patient's confidentiality. She she finally realizes that they don't own a coat rack and then finds a giant fucking sword. Um, not a coat rack at all. Uh, she becomes extremely shocked and asks Connie where she got it. Connie lies immediately and says that she found it and wanted to show it to Stephen. Um, after scolding Connie, uh, Mrs. Mahesh Warren reminds her that she can't play with swords, uh, that they're dangerous. And before Connie can object, uh, she gets a phone call coming from the hospital uh, telling her that she's needed to come in. Uh, Mahesh, Mrs. Mahesh Warren uh, walks out uh, and tells Connie that after work, they'll have to discuss a punishment with her father and then departs. Uh, she brings the sword with her. Connie apologizes to Stephen for letting her mother take the sword away, and Stephen suggests that... Uh, that they should reason with her, but Connie exclaims that her mother never goes back on a rule and that it's imperative that they get the sword back themselves. They use Lion to teleport back to or over to the hospital. Um, Connie says they should leave Lion outside and Stephen gives Lion some Lion liquors. I don't necessarily like how that sentence set comes out after I've yeah, said it, but no. yeah. Mm. Anyways, that's what happens though. <laughs> yep. Um, the two of them kind of cutely tease Lion about his behavior and then go into the hospital. The lights are all down. Connie says that it's uh, they turn the lights down after dinner, you know, like a hospital does to make things creepy as shit. <laughs> um, they are sneaking through and they spot Dr. Mahesh Warren and hide uh, and watch her as she enters a room. Uh, she is talking with Dr. Somebody, Dr. West, I think, maybe. Um... And they watch as she examines a patient. Uh, the patient is kind of writhing, fully covered in a blanket, making these sort of like groaning noises. Uh, Dr. Mahesh Warren begins to check her vitals. Stephen is wondering what she's doing when Connie explains. Uh, she's like, have you never been to the doctor? And he's like, no. Um, Dr. Mahesh Warren discovers that the patient has no pulse. Bum, bum, bum. And then blames it immediately on, like, a shitty stethoscope and goes to get another one. Uh, they go, uh, Connie and Steven sneak inside to get the sword back. Um, and they're just about to get out when the patient starts acting violently underneath the sheet. Uh, this distracts, sorry, uh, this distracts them long enough for uh, Connie's mother to come back. Finding Connie and Stephen, uh, she is aghast to find that her daughter has somehow snuck over to the hospital and is in fact taking the sword back. Uh, 
there is a pounding uh, as Connie and her mother begin to kind of argue. Uh, there's a pounding outside, and we see uh, Mrs. Mahesh Warren's uh, patient from earlier. It is a gym mutant, like we saw in uh, Keeping It Together, except bigger and scarier, and in a, a hospital gown. Um, they all, it rushes them and they run back inside. Connie is like, mom, you have to give me the sword right now. And Miss Mahesh Warren is like, this is not the time and I'm not giving you the sword back. Um, all of a sudden the, uh, patient who is under the blanket reveals themselves to also be a gym mutant and starts attacking Connie. Uh, Steven runs in saving Connie as, um, Connie continues to plead with her mother to get the sword back. Uh, Miss Mahesh Warren, uh, still refuses to give the sword back uh, and gets the three of them out of the room by uh, can the big convincing the bigger brutish one of the gym mutants to kind of chase after a uh, what do you call it gurney they are running down the hall when they are given chase by the handsy one there's the big one in the hands one i don't quite understand know how to denote them otherwise <laughs> Um, the hands one is chasing them down. Uh, they get sandwiched between the big one and the hands one and Steven saves them from the bubble. Uh, Connie talking where is beginning yelling at her mother. Um, and as the mutants advances toward them, uh, Connie keeps telling her mother that she knows how to use the sword, but her mother simply says that she doesn't. Steven finally has had enough of this shit, and he steps in uh, and says that she does know how to use it. He explains that Connie's been taking sword fighting lessons for some time, and that uh, she wasn't going to use Rose's sword to play around with, but rather to train herself in her spare time. Connie's mom denies the Steven's explanation, that, saying that she knows exactly what her, her daughter is up to. Uh, and Connie yells that her mother doesn't know her at all and points out that she doesn't notice that uh connie's glasses don't have glass in them uh and connie's mother in is in disbelief when finally connie's like uh or connie's mom is like what so your eyesight magically got better and connie yells that it did she explains that basically dealing with the gems and magic and everything uh connie finally is like over this shit she just pulls out the sword and her and steven go to fucking work uh they pretty handily take down the gym mutants um we flash forward slightly uh, it seems as though there's been giving there's been a rundown given to dr mahesh warren about what is going on um and outside the hospital, Stephen explains to Connie's mother that the mutants, uh, what the mutants were, and she realizes that that's probably why they had no pulse. Uh, she stumbles upon Lion, which kind of scares her, obviously. Connie apologizes to her mother for lying, saying that it all started as a small secret, but the more things happened, um, but as more things happened, she she wouldn't believe Connie and would not let her see Steven again. So Dr. Mahesh Warren suddenly comes to realization and asks Connie if uh, she and her father are too controlling to which Connie agrees. Uh, she tells Connie that she only wants to protect her and be a good mother, but Connie says that she can protect herself. Uh, Mrs. Mahesh Warren kind of takes a deep breath and she tells Connie that she'll be more relaxed as far as rules and regulations go and try to keep an open mind about, you know, all this magic bullshit that she's learning about right now, apparently. Um, but she wants more feedback from Connie in the future, and she wants her to stop lying. Um, she wants to know what's going on with her daughter's life, so if Connie gets in over her head, she can step in. Uh, Connie agrees not to lie anymore, and the two hug, and then Steven glances at his sword, and 
and, and uh, hugs it sadly. Uh, star wipe at the end. <laughs> oh boy. So, uh, note as always with episodes like this, Stephen and Connie are just too cute together. They're so uh, cute. That was my first note. It's true. It's always my first note. Um. Also, I'm glad in uh, cartoon and YA tradition, these children are ready to fight a fucking war, apparently. Yeah. We know from experience that's good for kids to do. Yeah. So I'm going to get my... Um my other two notes out of the way because basically all of my notes have to do with my feelings about Connie's mom, except for these two notes. Okay. Which are um, specifically in reference to like all the scenes in the hospital, the background team and the sound design team are on fucking point. Like it's true. This hospital's legit fucking creepy. It's so good. It's like somebody was like, hey, art team, we're naming this episode Nightmare Hospital. And they're like, got it, chief. <laughs> um, I love that Steven's so bad at lying. It's always, uh, that's always a fun little tidbit. These, He's such this, a good boy. This boy, he cannot, he cannot lie so good. Um, keep a hold of the idea that Steven doesn't go to the hospital has never been to the hospital in his entire life. Yeah, well, I don't know. Like, part of me wonders if that isn't for the best, considering that who the fuck knows what his anatomy looks like as a half gem. Mm-hmm. But that also might be why he's never had to go to the doctor or the hospital. We actually will touch upon this much, much, much later. Okay. Yeah. Um see uh, i love also let's talk let's give a big shout out to the, the character designers because i love how they made both the gym mutants move just horribly yeah that uh that was so good too like everything I love that about the hands one only climbs <laughs> yeah everything about the gym the gym mutants was very well executed and frankly very creepy it's true. Um, in the trivia on this episode down here, it says they, these are like references to Silent Silent Hill, or no, sorry, the Necromorphs from Dead Space. And I know this is Silent Hill. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they're fucking. You're wrong. Trivia. I know what Silent Hill looks like. <laughs> um. Also, last last note before we go off on Doctor Mahesh Warren. Uh. Steven saying my Connie. Yeah. Oh, oh, my heart. It's true. Okay, let's do this. <sighs> like every other note that I have mm. is God, I hate Dr. Mahesh Warren. <laughs> I just, I, uh, uh, uh like i i can't even i don't know where to begin but like i mean i guess let's start at the beginning just like the way that she is so controlling 
is just super fucking gross. Like, it's... It's so, like, borderline abusive, in my opinion. Like, there's... Uh, I just... It's so gross to me. It's It's so fucking gross. And really upsetting and just like poor Connie. Mm-hmm. Do you think, do you think like there, I, do you think that the writers are trying to reference specific like home environments, particularly for like, uh, kids of like Asian, East Asian and, and Indian subcontinent, obviously with the Mahesh Wharton's like that sort of like, drive that is sort of stereotypically built into those families with Connie? I don't know. Like, uh, it's... I'm not saying that they're they're, they're co-signing the behavior. I'm, like, I'm wondering if you yeah. think that's what they're trying to, like, like show here. I, I genuinely don't know. Okay. Um, it's not something that I had particularly thought about just because the way that Connie's mom is portrayed has pushed a lot of my buttons to just like make me viscerally recoil in some cases. So like my, my utter disgust at the way that, uh, Dr. Mahesh Warren treats Connie uh hasn't left a lot of room for me to do any any further analyzation of like where they might be coming from but yeah i mean i can i can see that um like i'm not going to to try to pretend that like there isn't like some just deep visceral upset with these two episodes mhm so yeah, it's mom week, baby. Yeah. Um. See, because, like, obviously, we're not trying to paint a good picture of Dr. Mahesh Warren at the beginning of this episode, right? Yeah. She's meant to see the be seen as the bad guy, and we're meant to see that her behavior has led Connie to... to think that... Well, you know, not even to think, to know that she needs to to lie to obfuscate her her what her actual wants and needs are you know mm-hmm. like i think unlike barb uh who we will talk about shortly you know i don't think it's the mahesh warns being like because like connie seems to you know, genuinely enjoy playing the violin and she doesn't seem to be do other sports they seem to be really focusing on like this like really focusing on education really focusing on like enrichment um you know really kind of like needling down on these like uh traditional signifiers of uh upward mobility when it comes to like culture you know or particularly western american culture uh and I'm wondering if that's the – it's supposed to show those sorts of parents, which I'm not saying there's 
they're showing them in that good light. Um, obviously, I feel like they're, in fact, doing the opposite. They're trying to show that this is bad behavior. Like, two kids, like, hey, this is not good behavior for your parents to to put upon you. And you, th- Steven Universe's, like, general theory is like, hey... What if you talked to people about your emotions? You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. Why Steven is bad at lying. <laughs> 101, you know? Uh, and yeah, just, our, just like the combination yeah. of, of just the way that Connie's mom has been portrayed in the past. Mm-hmm. Plus, like, this extreme focus on, like, regimenting Connie's life. Just, uh, oof, it's a lot. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, like, there's definitely, by the end of the episode, there's definitely the lesson of, like, you know, trying to talk to people as, you know, talk to kids as people and understand that children are people. Mm-hmm. Um, which, you know, is good. Uh, it's a really good, uh, really good thing because I think a lot of, uh, a lot of folks who are not kids forget that kids are people, even though they're not finished baking yet. Right. So. And I think the turn at the end of the episode is, so I was thinking about this, um, over last week because I was, (laughs) uh, last Tuesday before I thought we were going to record and I had the hell, the world's most hellish Wednesday. Um, Last Tuesday, uh, I was over at uh, Shannon's house and, and hanging out with like her and Dan. And I was like, hey, Daniel, you want to watch some Steven Universe? I need to do this for my fake job. <laughs> um, and he's like, I guess. Uh, and then like rewatching is like, oh, it's interesting to be able to like, hey, hey, target demographic. What were you vibing on here? Right. Because uh, we're not the target demographic for Steven Universe. No, no, absolutely well, not. I feel like we're the secondary demographic for Steven Universe. Yeah. Um, the ones the sec- who are going to spend the money to like keep Steven Universe, like you know, at the time would have been at the hot topic buying the things, you know. Yeah. the The secondary demographic of you know terminally online queers. It's true. Um. But. You know, he he echoed a lot of interesting points. Because, uh, like, by the end of the episode, Mah- Dr. Mahesh Warren has sort of, like, taken that turn. And it made me think about, like, the way Steven Universe does characters. Uh, and I don't know if it's necessarily the best way, but it's decidedly the way that they do it. And it's like, basically, Steven Universe works on the reverse flanderization process, I think. So, like... For those of you who don't know what flanderization is, uh, it's uh, basically characters start off as like more nuanced and detailed. And the longer a show goes on, the more they become whatever sort of like their most loud characteristic is. Uh, basically the entirety of The Simpsons at this point. <laughs> uh, yeah. But Steven Universe is kind of working in reverse with that by presenting people as these, like, very broad stereotypes and then working very hard to chisel details and nuance into them. Because uh, I fully believe the turn that Dr. Because 
the first time I watched it, it felt a little rushed. And then the second time I watched it, I was watching it a little bit more closely. Um, and it, you can see, I mean, full credit to the animators. They do a pretty good job of like telling the, telling this with like looks and visuals. Right. Um, but you can see sort of the turn in Dr. Mahesh Warren, uh, where she is no longer concerned about like, she was never super concerned about rules and regiments. I believe when she says that I was just trying to be a good mom, that she believes that. Yeah. Uh, and that when she realizes that she's going to, like, she's pushing her daughter away, she makes the choice to be, to change the way she's approaching parenting because she's, you know, it's obvious to her that she, it's not working. Um, and that doesn't excuse her previous behavior but also, uh, you know, that's, I guess, the moral of a kid's show, right? It's, you know, yeah. we're, we're going to forgive a lot bigger things than Dr. Mahesh Warren as this fucking show goes on. Um, yeah. But, you know, in, in real life, it would take a lot longer to move past those, those the, the sort of, it would take a long, much longer time to rebuild that trust between the parent and the child. But... Mm. You know, on a microcosm scale, I do feel like it was believable, that the turn was believable, and that it did the job it was to do of, like, showing kids what the proper relationship should look like here. Mm-hmm. So. I've got my yeah. full critic hat on this this week. I'm just, like, fully emotionally detached from Steven Universe somehow. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, I'm just, like, rarg, blargle. Um, One of us has to be Rar Brargle. You would think it would be me, frankly. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I I do feel like the the resolution was a bit rushed, but again, it's like the ethos of Steven Universe is you know adjusting behavior and forgiveness. Um, yeah. So it makes the total sense. The thing on my second, like, watch through of it that really sold it for me is, like, in the bubble, that look that Dr. Mahesh Warren's giving Connie that is initially kind of comes off as, like, I guess horrified, but it's, like, the more you look at it and the more you, like, think about it in the context, it's not that she's horrified that her daughter is the sword fighter, it's that she's horrified at herself for not knowing anything about her daughter, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that really helped sell it for me, the sort of like second watch through and like thinking about it more with context and, you know, being able to like account for more details is, you know, why I watch all the episodes a billion times, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. Watch them until they become nothing and then you can analyze them. That's what college taught me. Um, that's why I can't watch plays anymore. Uh, <laughs> getting a degree in theater ruins theater for you kids. Don't do it. Uh, but yeah, sad Steven at the end, hugging his sword. <laughs> poor Steven. Oh, buddy. Having a bad time, this poor little dude. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think, oh, oh apparently Dr. So one of the, uh, 
one of the uh what do you call it the patient or one of the rooms is room 20 and it belongs to dr Giroux in the background according mm-hmm. to trivia here so these fucking nerds on steven universe I'm afraid I'm not enough of a nerd to get that reference. Oh, Dr. Giroux from Dragon Ball, Android 20. Oh, oh, yeah. yes. Yeah, you forgot about him because he got punked in the same episode he shows up in by the other cooler androids. Yeah. Um, also, Dr. West is probably like a reanimator episode uh, reference. I would imagine. Mm-hmm. I need to, I think after this season, when we get to the end of the season, I think I might buy the first art book or I might buy both art books uh, because I was reading some, like a quote from Rebecca Sugar in one of the art books about like the ending credit songs. And it was very interesting, um, but I need to, I would like prefer to get a little bit more context than like this kind of snippet that I saw sort of out of, out of context. Mm hmm. Okay. Okay. Well, do we have anything else to say about Nightmare Hospital? Uh, no, I think that's it. Okay. Time to move on to, I'm not gonna, I'm, this is a serious episode, and I'm not gonna be able to do the beginning without laughing. Moving on to episode 69. Nice. Um... <laughs> Uh, Sadie's song, also written by Raven Mollesey and Paul Velico. Huh. Huh. I wonder if these two need to work some shit out, maybe? <laughs> yeah? Because I bet you if I go back in time and lo- look at some of the Rose episodes, I think they wrote them, too. Hey, Paul and Raven, uh, how's that? Y'all okay? <laughs> Do you need to talk about some mom stuff? Because <laughs> yeah. it feels like you need to talk about some mom stuff. <laughs> um, official synopsis. Stephen helps Sadie put together an act for Beachapalooza. Sure. That is a thing that happens in the episode. It is true. When I wonder if we're going to run into it. Well, actually, we have. We've run into things that demonstrably just did not happen in the episode. Yes. Yeah. Okay. The episode begins with the residents of Beach City preparing for Beachapalooza. Um, Steven is handing out flyers to the upcoming event. Uh, he approaches the Big Donut, tries to give one to Lars, and Lars just kind of fucking <laughs> ignores the shit out of this poor little meatball. Um, he goes into the store. He's looking for Sadie when he hears some singing coming from uh, – from the back he goes to the storage room to find sadie stacking boxes and she's singing haven't you noticed i'm a star uh it's like kind of a catchy pop song uh at the end of the song steven cheers her on and sadie is uh super fucking embarrassed and turns off the boom box steven says they didn't know that sadie could sing uh and she admits that uh nobody does uh steven tells sadie that uh he was helping Mr. Smiley hand out flyers for Beachapalooza and uh, encourages Sadie at this point to sing, given that she's a good performer. Um, she denies her talent uh, by saying that the song is pretty cheesy and pretty easy and anyone could sing it. Uh, 
And Steven says that it's a perfect song and he can help her make a routine. Uh, He basically sort of talks Sadie into it. And Sadie's like, you know what? Yeah. Yeah. Let's fucking do this thing. Uh, They go to Sadie's house, uh, the Miller residence. uh, They go to her room in the basement. Uh, Steven notices a pile of plushy toys, uh, but resists taking one because he doesn't, quote, want to break up a family, which I looked up earlier. Apparently, that's a joke. Uh, that the uh, animators put in there because Steven couldn't have picked up any of those other stuffed animals because they were all background elements. <laughs> it's like Lord. obvious that they're background elements. So apparently that was a joke. Um, uh, Steven instructs uh, Sadie that before they b- begin practicing that they need to figure out what she's going to wear. And he references his act from two years ago saying that you definitely have to wear clothes now. It's a rule. Um, he asks her what her gimmick should be, but Sadie is very uncomfortable with a lot of this, and she's like, listen, I'm just gonna wear something, you know, comfortable, something that I feel okay in. Uh, when we hear some footsteps arrive, Sadie is immediately like, oh, we've gotta hide all this shit. Uh, when Barb arrives, it's Barb, it's male lady Barb. Um, it's Sadie's mom. Uh, she comes downstairs and she gives Sadie, uh, a teddy bear that she found, uh, that Sadie very quickly adds to the sort of pile of other teddy bears sort of letting you know why sadie has a giant pile of uh stuffed animals in her room um sadie is trying to hide the fact that she's going to do the beach of palooza thing from barb but steven lets the beans spill uh barb gets very excited about this saying that she's going to help uh they we then kind of go to sadie's closet to find some clothes for her to wear uh we find a ballerina outfit uh a swimmer's outfit uh a um softball uniform and all of these kind of have this tinge that like barb either pushed sadie into these things or was way too enthusiastic and sort of ruined these things for sadie um and then we begin the montage as the song starts um the we see uh steven and barb trying to help sadie put together a routine fixing her hair uh doing her makeup practice all the dance moves all of that jazz uh and sadie is kind of low-key miserable through most of it uh the big night has come and sadie has insisted that they sign her up under uh under an anonymous surprise name so her name isn't on there um at the beach palooza i guess beach palooza is a talent show uh because towns have talent shows right <laughs> i guess sure um, up first is uh kiki and nanafua doing a ventriloquist dummy act which is pretty hilarious um ronaldo gets up there and talks about rock people and the defense thereof um and i think one of the other acts is uh jamie doing a mime routine um meanwhile backstage while all of this is happening Sadie is getting ready. She is more and more nervous as Stephen and her mother pick and prune and prod at her. Um, She is very nervous when Mr. Smiley comes up and uh, he encourages her to sort of like smile to, you know, get through it. Uh, Sadie is beginning to have a panic attack when Barb walks away to go get more glitter. Uh, she realizes that the cool kids are out there and they're talking about cell phones and recording it and Sadie just has enough. She goes to get more water. 
um, Steven comes over sort of oblivious to what's going on because he's very excited for putting on a show. Uh, and uh, he realizes that Sadie has wiped off her makeup. Uh, he goes to put more makeup on Sadie, and this is the last fucking straw. Sadie buries her head in the water tank, washes off all the makeup, and she says to Steven, you're just as bad as my mom. The camera pans over. There's Barb. Um, Sadie expl- exclaims to, to Barb that, like, you know, every time I mention something, you just push and push and push. You push me to, like, do all of these things, uh, and you it feels like you make things about you. Uh, you make you basically ruin like you're in, I know you're enthusiastic, but you know, you're, you're ruining these things for me. Don't make me do this. Um, Steven realizes that this wasn't Sadie's idea that it was his. And so he takes the bullet or does the thing that he probably just wanted to do all along. Let's, let's not, <laughs> yeah. not pretend. And he goes out there and he does his pop routine. Um, meanwhile, we get kind of like a, a montage of Sadie explaining to Barb in the background um, you know, them having kind of a heart to heart in the song transitions to Sadie and Steven, uh, with Sadie singing again, this time with Steven playing the song on the ukulele. Um, Sadie seems much more happy and content with this. Uh, we zoom in on her face, star wipe the end. Okay. Let me change notes here. Boop. Yeah. Um fucking Lars man <laughs> yeah uh, I wonder if it's just because they didn't have the, they didn't want to like pay the voice actor to come in and do literally one line or something um, yeah that's though possible. he does show up a lot in this episode so it's weird that he doesn't say shit at the beginning of, of the episode and then remain silent for the entire thing um probably just scheduling or some shit like that yeah um, Sadie's so cute. It's true. Uh, I like the da- I like the stocking dance. Um, mm-hmm. Mad retail vibes. Uh, yeah, I love that when she's startled, she just throws she just fucking throws that box across the room. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh fucking uh, on podcast minds last week uh riley and andrew posited uh would is what they were talking about clerks and doing clerks three as a podcast um which frankly makes way more sense than it has any right to uh but also they're like do you think clerks holds up as like a an accurate representation of retail work in like you know modern times i'm pretty sure it probably doesn't but uh, this feels like it does. <laughs> yes. Sadie and Lars working the Big Donut is an accurate representation of retail in modern times. I concur. But Steven Universe much better than Clerks. At risk of having people out for my blood, mm-hmm. that doesn't take much. <laughs> I think the first Clerks is still a fun little movie. I mean, it is what it is. It's like a super fucking no budget indie movie. Yeah, I just, I feel like Clerks isn't nearly as deep as people make it out to be sometimes. It's true. Pretty much made obvious by Clerks 2, a terrible fucking movie. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Though I would watch Clerks 3 if it was about uh, fucking, uh, what's the the main guy? You know, the one with the black hair. 
You know the one. I know who you're talking about, yeah. but if, if he started fucked. a podcast and that was what Clerks Three was about, I would watch the shit out of that movie. Oh my god. Um, he would start a podcast. He would. It would be. He would be the most pretentious fucking prick. It would just be like the most two dudes talking about shit podcast. Uh, yes. Sorry, Kevin Smith, because you basically do that, I guess. Um. Anyways, uh. Um, so what did I write here? What the fuck was... Oh, (laughs) I'm confused about what Steven's routine, uh, was that got him, that made the rule that he had, like, you have to wear clothes when you perform at Peachapalooza. Yeah, I... Maybe it's for the best that we don't know, but yeah. They've struck it from Beach City Records. Yeah, I just... That's a lot. It's true. But not surprising, unfortunately. No, not surprising in the slightest. Uh, I, th- <laughs> I, I don't know why the, the like, love, like, love you woads, uh, bear is hilarious to me, or particularly, like, the use of the word woads, like, uh... It made me think of, like, a lot of terrible jokes in my head that I am uh, don't necessarily want to commit to tape. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say them to August, and you're going to hear August's reaction, but I'm going to bleep out my own my own joke. Um, it's just, like, the literally the first time I saw that bear, I thought... You know, I knew exactly <laughs> where that was going, and I was not wrong. <laughs> uh, the audience will never know. I mean, I I suspect the audience can figure it out. It's true. It is episode sixty nine, after all. It's true. It's true. Um, let's see. And I think basically my last note before we need to talk about Barb is uh, male animals. They, Barb seems to heavily imply that there are actual animals that work for the Beach City Mail Mail Department. It it wouldn't surprise me. No, I guess not. Like I feel like I don't know. It it just would not shock me if there were like raccoons in the mail room <laughs> sorting things overnight for leftovers in the trash. Right, and it's just Barb and Jamie who deliver all of the mail in Beach City. Yeah. I mean, they probably could. I'm not saying that would be a hard task for the two of them to do. There seems to be, like, 30 places to deliver the mail to. Yeah, um, I mean, it's it's implied that Beach City is not particularly populous, so... Yeah. Um. So, yeah. Okay, so, Barb. Uh, what is what is with <sighs> these two and their mom issues it would seem i wonder whose mom issue is whose here yeah yeah <laughs> of I this writing duo well. i feel like one of like it's probably you know a little bit reductive to say like oh one of them one they're both working out like separate issues but you know they probably are i know i've written things <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, i barb 
did not set me off as badly as Dr. Maheshwaran, but she's still... I don't know. She's a little easier for me to tolerate just because, like, she doesn't seem to be doing any active emotional manipulation. She's just incredibly, like, oblivious in ways that make her behavior kind of toxic. But it's it's still a lot. Like... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, most of my notes were not "God, I hate Barb." They were, they were, "Oh, poor Sadie." It's true, and maybe because Sadie, like, we're at a different point. Like, we are dangerously close to, like, we're at the so. As far as like Connie and 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 her mother go, we're really at the point where, like, we're at the very beginning of what could have been a very bad road between her and her mother, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and opposite, we're at the very end of a very bad road. Like, we're just about to irrevocable, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, the, uh, assuming that this, this Beach of Palooza thing goes slightly different and, and Sadie has to, like, go out there and debase herself singing this pop song in this outfit that she doesn't want to do and basically has a terrible time. That's probably it, right? Like her relationship with her mom is probably fucking dunzo at that point. Yeah. Um, and it's probably that it's that like, it's that sense of, I mean, it may be because poor Sadie, because Sadie is such, it is so beaten down by this. She becomes a passive, a passive, uh, member of her own story yes and also maybe it's, because steven is also adding to this yeah yeah i think i think a lot of the the poor sadie is definitely because we see her already kind of like beaten down she's resigned to this she already like has developed the bad habits that we start seeing Connie developing with trying to hide things from her mother, Mm -hmm. um, stuff like that. Um, it's a little, it's a little less disheartening than Connie's situation because Sadie seems to have a bit more agency. Mm -hmm. Um, just because she's older, but it's obvious that like, Barb's behavior has had some pretty lasting impacts on like the way that Sadie acts, especially around uh, her mom in particular. Yeah. I mean, we, we get some weird, so we get some confirmation about how old I guess shit Sadie is. Um, mm-hmm. So we can definitely now confirm that Sadie and Lars are post high school kids. Yeah. Um, with the, prom comment that was also very sad <laughs> which implies the city has no friends except for Lars yeah. I guess so she has no friends yeah um and it's but I wonder if I I mean I guess it's probably true because she probably just stayed home and watched like horror movies or whatever instead of going to prom I would imagine. Yeah, I mean that yeah. 
Because, like, why would Barb... I was, like, I was thinking, it's, like, oh, maybe she went to prom, didn't tell Barb about it because she didn't want Barb to, like, get involved. But I think it probably would be, like, an obvious thing to Barb, like, because Sadie would be, like, home on prom night or what have you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to me, it's a much... It's more frustrating because Sadie is older and, like, it's one thing to, like be too enthusiastic when your kid is little you know but like at some point you have to like like it it's more annoying to me probably because of like my own personal experiences i find barb Mm. significantly more fucking annoying (laughs) than dr beige warren um and it may be because of my own issues don't at me raven and paul um (laughs) (laughs) Uh, oh shit. <laughs> Which one? Uh, uh, we are, we are Raven and Paul. <laughs> oh, August. oh no. Oh, Fuck, no. we're the clowns. Shit, we're putting on the clown makeup Fuck. right now. Oh my oh, God. Oh, it's all over my I... pop filter. Fuck. <laughs> oh, I, I'll go get my, my clown wig. Uh, um, honk, honk. Yeah. Uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't i don't know like i mean it's less i guess on one hand it's less i don't know it's it's the kind of thing that like it's more annoying to me and it's more uh, perturbing to me i guess because we see we're at the end stage of the thing, right? And we get this kind of glimpse of like, uh, oh, cool. Sadie hasn't been happy about fucking anything, right? Uh, yeah. For most of her life. And she doesn't... The difference, I think, is like, she lies to her mom, but never... Not in the same... Like, listen, we all lie to our fucking parents, right? Like, that's, I guess, part of being a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't tell your, your parents everything, uh, though, you know, you have better or worse relationships with your parents, right? Like a good parent, like knows, uh, or leaves the door open for when the kid wants to talk about things. Right. Yeah. Um, but, uh, to me, it's like Connie to, I guess I, I, I can see how, like, you, Connie could still have just, like, a completely normal life. Uh, yeah, sure, she's gonna lie to her mom about every, like, you know, without the change at the end of Nightmare Hospital, right? She lies to her mom, like, all the fucking time about it. But, like, Connie is, like, this, and this is, like, personality-wise, Connie is, like, uh, fuck you, I, I won't do what you tell me, uh, Rage Against the Machine riff plays, right? Yeah, well, I don't know, because, like, the, the, traje- the trajectory of Connie and Dr. Mahesh Warren's relationship, I could easily see ending with Connie going no contact at 18. Yeah. Whereas, like, the relationship that Sadie has with her mother is incredibly strained, but I don't think that it would get to the point where Sadie would go non-contact with Barb. Yeah, it's true. I mean, she does live at home and she's fairly older. Yeah. That may just be, there may be no place to live in Beach City. Who knows? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, And 
you know, she could she could have nowhere else to be, but mm-hmm. it's still one of those things where like the tenor of the relationship is very different. That's fair. That's fair. I mean, it definitely is. We're 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 seeing two different kinds of like uh toxic Nightmare behavior mothers. from parents. Yeah. Um both with like positive intentions, but just re- really donking it up here. Yeah. Uh so yeah. I I mean it's good that we see like much like uh nightmare hospital we come around at the end like we're gonna see it's in again i guess this is like our demonstration of like the reverse flanderization thing but this time not necessarily about barb uh barb does not become as as regular a character as dr mahesh warren obviously because like steven doesn't spend as much time with sadie (laughs) right Mm -hmm. um but uh but like with sadie because like the show rewatching the show we spent a lot of fucking time on <laughs> on the characters of Sadie and Lars <laughs> like for a te- like for a show that's ostensibly named Steven Universe uh we sp- th- th- there has been a lot of this show in over two seasons dedicated to Sadie and Lars <laughs> as people yeah but i mean like they're Steven's friends it's true um but they're not like Steven's main friends. They're like the B plot friends. Yeah. So. But it will be interesting to see how like this sort of spawns uh, a newfound like, you know, we're going to see a more confident, more interesting, you know, or not more interesting, a more confident, more assured uh, Sadie moving forward in the series. This is going to be interesting. Mm hmm. So. Um. What'd you think of all the talent show, uh, acts? Um, I'm glad we didn't get another shot of Nanafwa smacking Jamie on the ass. Mm. Um, are, are we, are we glad? <laughs> I mean, um, you know, I guess get it, Nanafwa, but at the same time, that's a little uncomfortable because if it had been, uh, an old man doing it to, like, Kiki, it would have been gross. It's true. So... Like, we shouldn't have double standards here. No, we shouldn't. It's still, it's inappropriate behavior in Nanafwa. Though, I guess now I'm going to write the slash fiction between Nanafwa and Jamie. Oh my god. It's episode 69, baby. We're letting loose. Uh, oh, that's fair. <laughs> um, I, I do, I love that, like, Ronaldo's entire theory about, like, the, the 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 background gag that Ronaldo's, like, conspiracy theory about the <laughs> the gym race basically being 100% right is hilarious to me. Yeah. Um, and, though I guess it's not a conspiracy theory, there's a lot of historical evidence to back it up uh, in his defense. Well, I mean, there are lots of things that are considered conspiracy theories that have like historical evidence to back them up. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, it can still be considered a conspiracy theory, uh, especially because of like who it's coming from. Yeah, it's true though. I would feel, I feel like being like aliens are real and people being like aliens aren't real. I'll be like, there's literally a crashed spaceship in South America. And they're like, 
nerd uh, would be kind of <laughs> slightly different. There's a whole yeah. field full of giant mutant strawberries. Yeah. Um. <laughs> points at the crystal gems. <laughs> um. Oh, uh, trivia. Uh, do you know who sings uh, the song? The I haven't you noticed I'm a star? I think I, I actually knew. told you this already. Yeah, you told me, and I can't for the life of me remember. <laughs> this is like the Pokemon bit in uh in GGP. Um, it's Olivia Olson who is uh, you would know most people would know her as Marceline the Vampire Queen. Yes, that's right. That's right. Um, oh, apparently they reused this song later in Steven Universe Future. Probably because they already had it. <laughs> it's easier yeah. than writing something new. Um, which I imagine was probably pretty easy because, like, I, all these voice actors are probably all in the same studio. And uh, Rebecca probably has a very good rela- relationship with Olivia. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Ugh, God, Jesus. I had to read the words nut dog with my eyes again. Thanks, Steven <sighs> Universe Wiki. Um. Oh, so do you... I didn't realize this until, like, I read this in the trivia. Do you know who the regular voice actor for Mr. Smiley is? No. Fucking Sinbad. What? Yeah, except for this episode. Huh. Yeah, it's fucking Sinbad. Okay. <laughs> Isn't that's wild? That that's pretty fucking wild. Um Apparently uh Sadie's makeup is a reference to Jim and the holograms. It makes sense. Yes. Although I did uh it did pain me a little bit because uh the the face makeup was very clearly meant to cover up Sadie's scar and it's mm-hmm. just like, oh buddy. It's true. But, uh, yeah, I feel like, I feel like Barb's turnaround Mm -hmm. is, it feels a little less forced to me than Dr. Maheshwaran's turnaround. Um, especially, I guess, because we have the weight of the history because, you know, Sadie's older, so this has been going on a lot longer. Mm -hmm. Um, Although it is nice to, I mean, I don't think that the show paints Steven as a person, perfect person by any stretch of the imagination. No, it's just, it is, it is interesting to show, cause this is like kind of a double lesson. I feel like of like them yeah. being like, Hey, you know, the show being like, Hey, you know, this is not how, this is also a bad relationship for your parents to have with you. And also don't be like this to people. Yeah, because it's real easy for this on interpersonal relationships, like with your friends and shit, to to do this sort same sort of thing. Yes. Yeah. So I thought that I thought that was good that Stephen is part of the problem here, and I mean it all makes sense character wise for Stephen. Stephen is overly enthusiastic, and that motherfucker loves to put on a show. Um. So. Of course he would be like, let's dress up and dance to this pop song in front of everybody when mm-hmm. uh, that's 
feels like literal poison to like 90% of the population. Yeah. Sir. Yes. Yeah. Um, I also thought it was very cute that Steven came out in Sadie's outfit. Yes. Um, just, uh, more of the show, just letting Steven like do traditionally non-masculine things, uh, without like making a big deal about it, but still like being positive about it. Yeah. It's real interesting that it's, it could be played for a joke, but it doesn't feel played for a joke, mostly because no one comments on it. Yeah. So that's why it doesn't like I was afraid that it would because I remembered it happening. I was like, oh, man, does this come off kind of jokey? But like no one comments on it. So it feels like it's played straight. Yeah, 100 percent. Like it's just part of the performance. Mm hmm. And I also thought that I mean, everybody the in the crowd is just happy Steven's got clothes on, I guess. <laughs> I guess. Uh, but I also thought the difference in body language between Sadie wearing it and Steven wearing it was very interesting just mm -hmm. because Steven very clearly has no body image issues whatsoever. Right. While Sadie looks like she's about to implode into a black hole. Yes. I don't know if that's necessarily like body image issues or Sadie not wanting to be the I don't because it I don't know what they're trying to paint there that's it could probably just it's probably just a whole mess of things frankly yeah yeah so okay do we have anything left for episode 69 nice uh Sadie song I do not all righty well next uh time we're gonna be coming back with our regular three episodes uh, we're going to be watching episodes 70, 71, and 72, Catch and Release, When It Rains, and Back to the Barn. Uh, Peridot is going to be here, y'all. It's coming. Peridot. Woo! Wait, no. Never mind. I added uh, episode 69, baby. Peridot's coming. Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Well, uh find us on the internet so you know where to find us our various things uh come hang with out with us on monday on twitch uh we have a fun twitch time usually uh the uh, uh paris's bumping event is coming up in july it's gonna be solid gold 2021 uh standing stones is sponsoring one of the main events uh apparently fucking uh the Riverhouse Games is sponsoring uh, something on there. <laughs> nice. Um, so just maybe we can fully integrate the the indie LGBT wrestling community and the tab tabletop indie queer RPG community. I don't know. There's already quite a bit of overlap, so it's true. I feel like we I feel like with this particular event we've started a boulder rolling and we can maybe get some real momentum going. Lord. Um, so that'll be fun. Yeah. Uh I might reach out and see if I can't wrangle us a couple of guests from that event onto the show. Hell yeah. Um I don't know if Billy Billy seems like they're incredibly busy right now, like the person organizing the show. Mm -hmm. 
so they may not be the best option, but I was going to try and see maybe their opponents for that match that we're sponsoring, the Better Business Bureau, see if any of those folks wanted to come on. Yeah. Um, alrighty. Well, anyways, done with speculation. I think, did you do it last time? Uh, I'll be hecked if I can remember, but you go ahead and do it this time. Okay, well... Remember, everybody, be like Cookie Cat and leave your family behind. Peace. Peace.